All right, so today we are wrapping up the Christmas at the Movies series. Um, you guys enjoyed the series, and um, those of you who've been here, and we are looking at a story today. I tell you every week, and as a, just a spoiler alert, if you don't want me to spoil your favorite Christmas movies, now is your chance. Um, but this one, the story came out in 1939. So you've had 84 years. And if you don't know the story, you definitely know the song. And so today we're going to be watching and talking about the 1964 TV special, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And the title of the message this morning is The Glow Within. All right, let us pray and we'll get into it. Lord, help us see us like you see us. Amen. All right, let's watch the first clip. Animation's gotten just a little bit better in the last 60 years. But we see in this clip that, that Rudolph is born. He's the son of Donner, one of Santa's eight reindeer. And he's got a shiny nose that glows. And his mother seems like she's okay with it. But Donner seems like it's something that can't be overlooked. And when Santa shows up to inspect the new reindeer... He's baffled, and Donner says, well, don't worry, maybe he'll grow out of it one day. And then he comes up with a plan to cover up the nose, which is always the best idea, is to cover up the thing that we don't like about ourselves. Um, point number one this morning is you've got a gift. And so if you didn't know, you were born special with a gift for a purpose, but there was one baby who was born who had the most special birth. And we read this a couple of weeks ago, but Luke chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 says, while they were there, this is, um, this is Mary and Joseph, so they didn't like run to Bethlehem in the last week of her pregnancy. They were already in Bethlehem when she went into labor. They had been there for a little while. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So here we see the God of the universe born into humble beginnings. Um, not going into it this week, but uh, it wasn't into a cave or, or a barn, but he was born into a humble family not into a palace like you would expect someone who was born to be the king of the Jews would have been born. But he was born into a normal family and placed into a manger, likely in the family's living room where they were staying. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 verse 2 that he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. And so the Bible tells us that there was nothing visibly special about Jesus. He wasn't near as cute of a baby as Jackson is. He's almost a toddler. He is a toddler now. He's bouncing around. 
But there was no majesty. There was nothing desirable about him. If I was Jesus, I would have come down looking like Matthew McConaughey or something. (laughs) And instead of the Bible saying, verily, verily, I say unto you, it would have said, all right, all right, all right. Listen here, (laughs) y'all. But that's why he's Jesus and I'm not. But even though there was nothing visibly special about him, he was the most special baby to ever be born. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And so in our movie today, we see Rudolph is born with this amazing gift of light. He has a nose that lights up. Every clown would be jealous. And we see Jesus is the only person who's ever been born of a virgin birth. He's God who became man. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And did you know that you were also created to fulfill a specific purpose? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11, all these, it's talking about right before this, um, Paul talks about spiritual gifts, and I didn't want to bore you with another 10 verses, so just if you want to go read the first part of 1 Corinthians 12, um, it lists out all the spiritual gifts, and then it says, All of these are the work done of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink." Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed, all, has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Listen, God has made you and formed you exactly how he wanted you to be, and he placed you in the place where he wanted you to be. The Bible says in Psalms 139, that he knit you together in the womb and that you were fearfully and wonderfully made and that all the days before us were written before one of them came to be. You see, just like Rudolph and just like Jesus, you were created for a purpose. And verse 11 tells us that God has given us gifts to help us facilitate that purpose. Let's watch the second movie clip this morning. So the older I get, the more I realize this movie makes Santa look like a jerk. (laughs) 
But Rudolph and the other yearling reindeer, they, they go to the reindeer games for takeoff practice to learn how to become Santa's reindeer. And um, Clarice tells Rudolph that he's cute. And then he flies way higher and way farther than any of the other reindeer. Um, but then his nose cover falls off. You see, you can, you can try to cover up the thing about yourself that you don't like, but eventually um, the facade will fall off and, um, and then you'll have to face um, the people around you. And um, all of Rudolph's friends are really jerks um, who can't accept him for who he is. And all the other reindeer start to laugh and call him names and they won't let poor Rudolph See, you guys know the story. And then they decide that, that he can't be a part of it anymore, right? So uh, point number two is your gift has a cost. So cost, just so we're clear, cost is an amount that has to be paid or spent to obtain something. So let me tell you that your gift will cost you. Jesus tells us in Luke 14, 28, that we should count the cost before following him because there's a cost to follow Jesus. But also someone else has already paid a high price and already determined what your cost, what your value is. And most of us are familiar with Rudolph's story. We, we know that he ultimately saves Christmas. Uh, and, and we see this even more so with Jesus. He was the most special baby to have ever been born, but he also paid the highest price that could ever be paid. Isaiah 53 verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected by mankind a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds, we are healed. Let's watch the next clip. This movie is so campy. Love it. <laughs> uh, so we see um, Rudolph and, and Hermie and Yukon Cornelius um, arrive at the Island of Misfit Toys and they meet the, the group of outcasts, all of the toys that, that no kids want. And we meet Charlie, the jack-in-the-box named Charlie. I need someone like Charlie to just follow me around and talk, but he has the best voice in the whole movie. Um, but Rudolph and his friends ask if they can live on the island because they feel like they have nowhere else to go. And King Moonracer says no because they're not toys and this is the island of misfit toys. And then Yukon Cornelius says, well, even among misfits, you're a misfit. I don't know, anybody can relate to that sometimes. 
When I was a kid, I was, if you can't tell, I was always the first one picked for dodgeball. No, not. <laughs> My nickname in, in, when I played sports was Lightning because I was so fast. No. Yeah, it was the opposite of fast. I was a good second baseman, though. Um, but King Moon Racer asks them to tell Santa about the island when they get back to Christmastown because he knows that Santa could help find to- homes for these toys that nobody wants. You see, it wasn't just in Jesus' later ministry that he was persecuted. Um, he was hunted from birth by Herod. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, this is right after the Magi come to visit Jesus in And King Herod had told the Magi, hey, when you find Jesus, come back and tell me where he is because I want to go worship him too. And then we see in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, when they had gone, and this is when the Magi, when the Magi had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod, and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. You see, Jesus was the prophesied Messiah, and Jews understood that the Messiah would claim the throne of Israel and establish an earthly kingdom. And so to Herod, this miraculous baby was actually a threat to his power. And if power loves one thing, it's holding on to power. That's why we've got politicians who stay in office for 50 or 60 years until they die because they love hanging on to power. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I know some people in a city many miles away who need to know that, (laughs) that having power isn't for our own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, crucifixion was a humiliating death. It was Similar, it was, it was the death penalty in Roman culture. And he was put to death on the cross. You see, your gift has a cost because it's valuable, because it comes from God. And that's why the enemy tries to take you down. And it's gonna cost you something. People aren't going to understand why you act the way you do or why you don't act the way you used to. People aren't going to understand why you don't do things the way that you want them to or the way that they want you to. 
You might lose friends. But if you lose friends pursuing God's will for your life, it's probably not the worst thing that could happen. You see, what makes you different is what makes you special. We see that with Rudolph. What what makes him different is what ultimately provides his purpose. And the gift and calling that God placed on your life is unique to you. You see, I can't reach the people that you're called to reach. And so embrace your uniqueness and you'll find yourself doing the will of God. I shared an illustration a couple of weeks ago that the, the will of God is not the destination. The will of God is the journey. And if we'll just pursue the Lord, seek first the kingdom, we'll find ourselves doing the will of God and moving closer to the promise. Let's watch the last movie clip here. Yay, Rudolph saved Christmas. So Santa gets a weather report, and the weather's bad, and Christmas is going to be canceled. And But wait, now, now that Santa needs some help, I told you, when you watch this movie as an adult, it has a little bit of a different vibe than when I was a kid, but anybody ever know somebody who's a hater until they need something from you? That's, that's kind of Santa in this movie. <coughs> but ultimately, this is a story of redemption, and, and they do make Santa out to be a little bit of a jerk in this movie, but he ultimately redeems himself and comes around and embraces Rudolph's uniqueness, and he asks Rudolph, um, after eating a little bit of humble pie, maybe, Hey, you know, would you lead my sleigh team and and help me save Christmas so that we can bring all the toys to all the kids in in the world? And the first stop is we're going to go to the Island of Misfit Toys and pick up all those toys and give them a home. Point number three, your gift will help others. See, a big problem that we see in in the church today, Big C Church, is this idea of celebrity culture. There's nothing wrong at all with having influence, but celebrity culture is an entirely different thing. Um, There was a boxer about 120-ish so years ago that said, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And I've been around the world a few times now, and the thing that I've come to learn is that the people who are the most holistically successful in life, financially, with their family, with their friends, and their overall happiness, are the most generous people. And conversely, the most miserable people that I know are selfish and stingy. Bible says in Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 through 8, as you go, he's talking to the disciples, he's sending the disciples out on their first um, evangelistic mission to go share the good news of the kingdom. 
And he says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. If God has placed something inside of you, it's not for you. It's for other people. But what the enemy does, though, is he tries to convince us that it's for us and that it's for our ego. And that's why God asks us to kill the promise. That's why he asked Abraham to take Isaac up the mountain. Because he has to make sure that the promise doesn't have us. Because if we aren't okay without it, then we aren't ready for it. But it is ultimately to help other people. And Rudolph had a shiny nose that glowed ultimately so that he could help to guide Santa's sleigh. And look what Jesus says about himself in John chapter 8, verse 12. I'm sure you've heard this before, but Jesus says, when he spoke to the crowd, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. In the garden, when man fell, darkness entered the world, but now light has come. I was driving south on I-35 many, many moons ago, and I was listening to one of my, I don't know why this is my favorite worship songs ever, I just, I love it. Uh, one of my favorite worship songs ever is How Great Is Our God by Chris Tomlin. Um, that just, I don't know, I just, even like, there's a world edition of that song where they sing it in like 20 different languages, and it just like, I can't make it through the whole thing without crying. It's just, it's the best song ever. But there's a, there's a line in that song that says, he wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide. And as I was driving down the highway this morning, that, that morning, it was, um, I had left like before the sun came up and as the sun started to come up, it was just perfect timing for this to happen. I was listening to the song and the sun had just kind of crested over the horizon. And I had an epiphany that as the sun comes up, the darkness doesn't have a choice but to leave. And shadows are the teeny bits of darkness that try to hide from the light. You see, if we open ourselves up to the light of Jesus, then he'll light up all the dark places inside of us. But if we place something in the way, it'll create a shadow. And the shadow is where the enemy can work in our lives. But look what Jesus says about us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, you are the light of the world because you have Jesus living inside you. That's why I called this message the glow within. This baby who was born of a virgin, 
the prophesied Messiah who would live a perfect life and die for the forgiveness of sins so that we could be made right with God. That is the gift of Christmas. Freely you have received, now freely give. This Christmas, I want you to remember that you are the light of the world. Not because of who you are or what you have done, but because of who's inside you and what he did. And I want to give you the opportunity this morning if you've never made that decision to invite Jesus into your life, or maybe you have and um, you'd like to recommit that this morning. Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that he was raised from the dead, that we'll be saved. It's no more complicated than that. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that, for it is by grace through faith you have been saved, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And the best gift, you know, we're all... I'm going to be giving and receiving gifts over the next couple of days. The best gift that you could receive this Christmas is the gift of eternal life and the gift of relationship with God. And so if you would, I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes and invite everyone to pray along with me out loud. That way nobody feels singled out. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you were born and died for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, I believe that you rose from the dead. And I confess that you're the Lord of my life. name. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. Um, I love you guys, and I'm so thankful that we got to spend Christmas Eve together, and um, go Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. Merry Christmas, Fester Dane. <laughs>